Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Are you a wise man or wise woman? Most people define wisdom by worldly success. True wisdom, however, is found only in knowing and loving and walking with Jesus Christ our Lord. In and through Jesus, we will grow in true wisdom in every aspect of our lives, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally. Let's open our Bible now to Matthew chapter 2 and look at this incredible story of the wise men's journey to worship Jesus. Well, good morning and welcome to uh, another teaching. It's Monday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all just been loving on Jesus and spending time with Jesus. As we say every time, there is nothing that is that'll bring more blessing and peace and uh, nothing that's more productive in our lives than spending time with Jesus. Uh, my wife and I just got back from a wonderful time of just fellowship and community in, uh, in, in the Northeast and uh, with, with my family and friends and, uh, you know, just, uh, just, trying to, just trying to be the light of Christ. Um, when you go to different places and you, you leave your hometown and, and here in Texas, we kind of have a Bible belt. It's a, it's a different experience. I, uh, you know, we just, we were blessed there and uh, we enjoyed the time there and just, uh, you know, we were just hosted very well by my parents. Um, uh, Scott and Leanne were a blessing to us and uh, opening their home for my wife to do her exercise and uh, and for me to shower. My parents, one of their showers had an issue, but uh, we just had a blessed time. We had wonderful fellowship. Thank you for having us, uh, Bruce and Sharon and uh, man, it was just good meeting all the new people, uh, Ryan and Nikki and, uh, you know, and of course, Matthew and Johnny and uh and, uh, and Stephanie, and it's just uh, just wonderful fellowship. Always having a good time with uh, my my friend and sister Robin, and uh, you know we just uh, we we play sports together, and so it's just a good time of fellowship in uh, in Jesus Christ. Uh, seeing my my very close friend Abraham, who's a uh, quadriplegic, it's just always a very humbling experience. He consistently has a a better attitude than. I don't know, maybe anyone I know, certainly myself included, and he is a quadriplegic, and he's been in that state, I don't know what it's been, 15 years, but uh, mercy, Lord Jesus. And then on the way home, I, uh, you know, as you can see here, I, uh, I fell on the airplane and crashed my face into the ground, and, uh, and so that was a blessing of the Lord. Um, you, you know, I... Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see my face. And, uh, you know, certainly these are things that we never want to happen or desire to happen, but we they are either caused by the Lord or allowed by the Lord, one of the two. And the Bible says that in, in Romans 8, 28, that it's ultimately for our benefit, that he will work all things for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so... I've been praying as to what the Lord would have for me. My mask was filled with blood. My wife jumped up and came to my, you know, 
mid-flight to my, uh, you know, uh, to help me. And, uh, you know, it was just quite an experience, right? You never, you never think you're going to be that guy, right? Where they're calling medical personnel down the plane. And so it was a humbling experience. Um, and again, you, you, you want to learn what the Lord has for you. When you have circumstances in our lives, we always want to invite the Lord into it. We want to see what he, he has for us, what he's trying to teach us. And, um, and ultimately, it'll be for our good, our growth and maturity in Jesus Christ. And so that's what's happening here. So it's exciting. Uh, today, we're going we're gonna to talk about the wise men. They're also called magi. They were uh, astrologers. Um, the teaching is in Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. It'll probably be a two-part teaching. But man, this is exciting, exciting stuff. Just just talking about the birth of Jesus and the things that happened, um, you know, around his birth are truly remarkable. So, Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness in our lives. We, uh, we just thank you, Father, for your love. Above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and God and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for coming and living a perfect life for us and dying a torturous death on the cross for us. And we, we thank you that you are alive and risen today. Mm. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, Matthew 2, 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men, from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi, or wise men, secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I mean, this is so full 
These 12 verses, Uncle Dennis, are just so full. I was able to see my wonderful Uncle Dennis when we visited back east, and that was nice. But these are just so full of meaning, May. I mean, wow. Verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem. Verse 2, and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. The 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 remarkable events around the birth of Jesus are, uh, are breathtaking. If we truly study the scriptures, this is when you come to the Bible, y'all, you want to think about the scriptures. You want to meditate on the scriptures. You want to see just what the scriptures are saying. You want to look into them. You just want to you want to study them. That's what we do here. We're doing Bible study. It's called, it's called Bible exposition or expository teaching. We're just expositing the scriptures, exposing what's in the scriptures. And so Jesus is born in Bethlehem, as we're going to see down in verse 6 and 7, where it was prophesied hundreds of years earlier that he would be. And a king named Herod was ruling and wise men, they're also called magi, depending on the, the version you have, from the east came to Jerusalem. Scholars say that these wise men probably came from Syria, Iran, Iraq, Turkey. That area, okay, is where when the Bible speaks about the east and Babylon, um, that's Iran, Iraq, just that area. Um, is where they would have traveled from. The distance is five to 700 miles, depending on, you know, where exactly that they came from. Obviously, they didn't have automobiles, so if they came on foot, it's a very long journey. Um, it says they, they saw his star in the east. So from where they were now, these were, they were, they were probably astrologers, right? And so it's interesting that, that these are, uh, these are intuitive men. These are thoughtful men. They're called wise men, which is not a coincidence because we're going to, we're going to take time to see if you and I are wise men and wise women today and what that looks like. But they understood how to 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 read uh, uh, astronomy, right? Astrologers, um, and so the study of the of the stars and the planets. And it's interesting that that the Lord meets them, God meets them, according to who they are. And what they understand. This is a fairly remarkable story that they're following a star and they saw the star in the east and the star goes to Jerusalem. Now it is 
it is interesting that the star gets stuck in Jerusalem. Um, and so they have to go see Herod. And that's a whole separate story in itself. And that's a, that's a hard teaching. But it says that they go on this journey. And they're going on a journey. And they arrive in Jerusalem. And the journey could have taken, I mean, it could have really taken anywhere, depending on whether they are on camels, um, if they're if they're following the star. Obviously, you can't follow the star during the day, so you only have to, you know, you can only follow the star at night and then rest during the day. Um, but but scholars are, you know, we're not certain on the matter. But if the star appeared at the time of Jesus's birth. This could be two years later, right? Because we're going to be told in verse 13 and on that Herod is going to have all the boys two years old and younger killed in that region. And so um, when it says in verse two, it says that, that they came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews. We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. This is remarkable because in verse 3 it says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. So how is it that these wise men that are five to 700 miles away know, have insight and understanding into the fact that Jesus has been born, that the king has been born, but yet the people six, seven miles away in Jerusalem had no idea. And that is a principle for us today in the body of Christ. The religious leaders who knew the scriptures, we're going to see in verses six and seven that they, they understood the prophecies about the Messiah's birth and where he was to be born, but yet seemingly had very little interest in it. They're six to seven miles away from where Jesus has been born, and yet, you know, they, they know nothing about it and seemingly care very little for it. Where these, quote, wise men have come on a five to 700 mile journey to find Jesus and to worship Jesus as king. That's really a picture for us, right? When you step back and look at that, are you a wise man or a wise woman today? What is it that makes you wise? Regrettably, in, uh, in the church today, we... We define wisdom as a lot of things. Biblically, there is no wisdom outside of Jesus Christ. If you are not pursuing a relationship, a growing relationship with Jesus Christ today, then there is no wisdom. You have no true wisdom without a relationship with Jesus Christ. In order to be a wise man or a wise woman, you need to be on this journey looking 
to know Jesus better and better and better and better, beginning at salvation, beginning with receiving him as your Lord and Savior, beginning with trusting in him for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, humbling yourself before Jesus and calling out to him, going and throwing yourself before Jesus and confessing your sinfulness. Lord Jesus, I confess that I know that I am a sinful person and I am hopeless, Lord. I know there's nothing I can do, Jesus, without you. I'm hopeless, I'm helpless. But Lord Jesus, I believe that you came and lived a perfect life for me. I believe you are the son of God and that you died a perfect death for me and that you are alive and risen today. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and hope and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. That's how you become a Christian. A Christian is someone who understands their sinfulness. They understand that they have no hope to go to heaven, no hope to have a relationship with God, except in and through Jesus Christ, by trusting and relying in Jesus Christ alone. And then Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you gone and humbled yourself before Jesus and called out to him in prayer, desperately going to him and asking him to be the Lord of your life and to save you from your sin and to bring you to heaven when you die? It's not the words that save us. We use words, right, to communicate with, with people and with the Lord. But it's, it's Christ that saves us. But have you gone to him? Are you trusting in him, relying on him, knowing your desperate need and hopelessness and helplessness without him? That's where it begins. That's where wisdom begins biblically. There is no wisdom without Jesus Christ. And as I said, regrettably in the church today, we, we're, we're little different than the world. We pursue all kinds of, quote, worldly wisdom and worldly pursuits. And it's only in Jesus Christ that the, the worldly wisdom can be redeemed and utilized properly. You know, for example, the, the pursuit of money. Okay. We work and we make money. Right. And depending how skilled we are, right, um, at our different crafts, we make money at various levels, right? But it's only in Jesus Christ and having a relationship in Jesus Christ and following the word of God that Jesus gave us, the Bible, that we have any concept of using money in a wise, biblical way. Without Jesus Christ, we use money just simply for our own ends, for ourselves, to benefit me and my family and my kids and my interests, my hobbies, and it's all about me. But in and through Jesus Christ, the Bible teaches us how to use money properly and biblically. And certainly that includes, you know, taking care of the needs of myself and my family, but it's far more than that, right? And it teaches us how to use money to, to really advance the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. So 
these wise men, and again, we've heard the story of the three wise men. Um, it never says that there were three. Um, we uh, scholars have often said there were three because you heard at the end, right? It said in you know verse uh, verse eleven, it says, "Then they opened their treasure and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh." So we're assuming that one of each wise men gave one of those gifts. Uh, it says they're wise men, so we know there was at least two, but there could have been ten, right? We're not told how many. Um, but we've always seen the the story of the three wise men. It is interesting because in the manger scene, often we'll see the three wise men there, but the wise men weren't at the manger scene. Jesus is probably two years old by the time they get to, to Herod's house or around that age, right? Because, you know, you remember it says, well, it's going to say in the next verses that Herod... Um, um, verse 16 says, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men or magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the wise men or magi. So based on what he was told, this, this horrible thing happens. Um, and all the boys two years and under, under are killed, but Joseph, Jesus's stepfather, right? Mary's husband receives a dream and, um, to tell him to get out. So it does not happen to Jesus, obviously. And that's another teaching. So, um, but are you on a journey today? These wise men travel five to 700 miles to worship Jesus. That's the picture of true wisdom. That's quite a journey. That's quite an effort. But because they have a heart to do it, God moves a star leading them all the way to where Jesus is. This is a picture of what the Lord will do. Now, it doesn't mean the Lord's going to move a star for you and I. But it does mean that we can see that if you have a heart to go and know Jesus, a heart to worship Jesus, a heart to love Jesus, a heart to see Jesus, the Lord will make a way for you. And, and again, this is, they make this entire journey to go worship a, a child two years old. And we saw at the end, when they found them, they were overjoyed We'll get into that, not just joyed, overjoyed. And they worshiped him. Can you picture these three guys bowing down to a two-year-old just standing there looking at him? It's amazing. Verse 2. And they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? They come into the famed Jerusalem. And it's interesting because it says... Um, in verse 
9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. It's, it's clear that it was seemingly part of the Lord's plan for them to speak before Herod and for them to ask Herod this question. Because as they were traveling, why did the star not just go straight to Bethlehem where Jesus was? They were looking to worship the king of the Jews. Verse 3 says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. So they didn't know anything about it. So the Lord apparently has this, this stop for them on their way to worship Jesus. And, and certainly in our lives and throughout our lives, when we're on this journey as wise men and women to walk with Jesus and to worship Jesus, there will be these stops in our lives. There will be these, these places in our lives where the Lord allows us to come into, you know, that, that we won't understand why they're there. But if you keep your focus on Jesus, so they're in Jerusalem, that's where the star is, right? But Jesus is not in Jerusalem. So they go naturally to the king's palace and ask the most important question that can be asked in all of our lives ever may. Nikki, there's no more important question than this. Have you asked yourself, Scott, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Now they're speaking before King Herod. And we see the character of King Herod later where he just slaughters all the boys two years and under, but Joseph had a dream and took Mary and himself and Jesus out and went to Egypt. But you see, this is a horribly insecure man, an angry man, a vicious man, um, just a grossly sinful, murderous man. And yet the Magi go to King Herod, but they're not looking for him. You see, oftentimes when we go before you know, people of fame or power or influence, our interest is in them. But the wise men aren't interested, Stephen, in King Herod. They're not, they're not interested, Robin, in, in, in Herod. They want to know where is the one who has been born King of the Jews. And they call him king. So when it says in verse three, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Well, of course he's disturbed because he's king. He's the one in power. And so obviously he fears that this quote Messiah coming and being born, this savior, this king is going to, you know, take over his kingdom. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? 
is the most important question in your life. And that's the question you want to continue to ask yourself, and I want to ask myself, all the days of our lives, Corinne. Where is the one born king of the Jews? Are you on a journey today growing to know the one born king of the Jews, Jesus? Are you laboring in that journey to know Jesus? And in whatever stops the Lord brings you at day in and day out, do you have that question on your mind that I'm just looking for Jesus? I just want to know Jesus. All I'm looking for is Jesus and more Jesus, because that's all that matters. That's why they're wise men. Do you have this mentality? I'm not here to see you. I'm not looking for your money. I'm not looking for your power, King Herod. I'm not looking for you to give me anything. I just need you to point me to the King of the Jews, Jesus Christ. We saw his star in the east. And look what they say. And we have come to worship him. We're not here for you, king. We're not here for anything else but to worship Jesus. We're not even here to get things from him. We're here to worship him. Very few of us as Christians, and I and I desire the Lord to give me and all of us just deeper revelation that the most important aspect of our lives is to worship Jesus. When you read your Bible more, Leah, and really understand it and dig down in it, Esther, right? You, you come to see life is about worshiping Jesus. Our God, God the Son, enters the world for us in his intimate, intimate love, amazing love, um, incredible love. He takes on human flesh and enters a world that he created to redeem and die for a people that he created, even though we went bad on our own. It's the most incredible love story ever told. Verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Why doesn't it say, when King Herod heard this, he was delighted. And all Jerusalem was delighted because they were overjoyed. They were excited. Then no, King Herod is disturbed because he doesn't want anything upsetting his current state of life. In all Jerusalem with him. These wise men come five to seven hundred miles to worship Jesus, and everybody in Jerusalem don't even know he's there. Indeed, sometimes the people with the most revelation, the people with the most insight, are not the people that are the, the big pastors and the elders and the deacons and all that kind of stuff. It's not. There's a principle in this. The chief priests, the elders, the scribes, the teachers of the law, all the pastors and teachers and elders of Jesus' day have no idea what's going on. They knew the scriptures. They knew the word of God. 
that Jesus was to come. But Jesus has been around now for almost two years, has been born, and they have no idea about it. And the reason they have no idea about it is because they don't care about it. They don't have a desire for it. Now, what am I saying? Okay. Obviously, you know, we need our pastors and our teachers, um, our elders, our deacons, um, our, our ministers to teach us the word of God. And, and all of us, myself included, certainly we need to, we, we, we need to have wisdom, but we need to be the wise men. And, and all of us as Christians need to be the wise men and the wise women. But is an, it is an interesting deal here that the pastors and teachers of Jesus's day have, have little to no insight or care that he's been born, but these wise men from the East, which could have been either Jews or reloca uh, relocated Jews or Gentiles, right? Uh, the Lord has moved a star for them because they do have a heart to know and worship Jesus. The lesson to be learned is that title or position in the body of Christ is certainly no guarantee of revelation, knowledge, or insight by any means. Just because I have a title of pastor or minister or teacher or all of us in the, in the, in the church have all of our titles doesn't mean anything. Nothing. Okay? Um... If all it means is that if we do have a title of pastor or elder or deacon, that we are more responsible to, to, you know, to really know the word of God and to know the truth and to communicate the truth. And so these are the kind of pastors and elders and teachers you want to be around. Um, you want to be around people who have given themselves deeply to the scriptures, deeply to the word of God, that their only desire is to teach you what the Bible teaches and to have you live according to how the Bible, what the Bible says, right? Um, people that want to teach you to know Christ, to love him, to obey him, and to repent where you fall short, Jason. These are the kind of people that you want to be around, you want to be in relationship with, and these are the kind of pastors and elders and deacons you want to submit to. But because someone has a title of pastor or elder or deacon or bishop or teacher or whatever title there may be, apostle, right, it, uh, it means nothing in itself. Um. And that this too is, 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 is a clear problem in the body of Christ. When King Herod heard this, he wasn't excited. He was disturbed. And, and, and the leaders of Jerusalem weren't excited. They were disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Verse four, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, when he had called together all the smartest pastors and teachers and elders and deacons of the land, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. So Herod says, where is the Christ to be born? They know their Bible. This too is scary. Verse five, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, but this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler 
who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And, you know, we're going to stop here and we're going to finish this next time. But Herod asked them where the Christ was to be born. He knew that, that there were prophets in the land. And he calls in the leaders, the smartest people, and they know what it says in their Bible. But how come they didn't know that he had been born? Again, he's almost two years old, Jesus, now. Shepherds, shepherds knew. If you go, if you turn over to Luke 2, and you'll see that the Lord sent an angel, and then a host of angels, that revealed themselves to the shepherds, and pointed the shepherds, and we're going to get into this teaching in a few weeks, Corinne, but pointed the shepherds toward, uh, toward the manger where Jesus had been born. And, uh, and these are the lowest of society, the shepherds. So the Lord revealed himself. Jesus was revealed to the shepherds and they saw him on the day of his birth. But yet all the, all the high society, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, right? The biggest religious leaders, the biggest pastors and elders and teachers, they had no idea. There's a lesson for us in this as pastors, and it's, it's as much for me as anyone, but I mean, don't think we know it all, right? Because the shepherds knew the most important thing that happened in the history of the world. Since the world was made and humanity fell into sin, the most important thing that happened is today a savior has been born. But since they didn't have a shepherd's heart, they were the big religious leaders. This, Jesus was not revealed to them. So Jesus is now almost two years old, around two years old. And yet, the people who quote, know the Bible best, it isn't revealed to them. And why is that? It's because they didn't have a heart for it. They didn't have a shepherd's heart. Because the shepherds saw Jesus on the day of his birth. Because they were open to it. They were willing to see it. They wanted to see it, Kristen. They clearly didn't have the heart of the wise men either. Who would go on that five to seven hundred mile journey, Lauren, to truly worship Jesus. They had titles, though. They were in the presence of King Herod. They had the elite positions. Everyone said to them, yes, pastor, yes, pastor, yes, pastor. Okay, so hear me now. Okay, we need to be respectful and honoring of our pastors and elders if they are pastors and elders who are teaching the word of God, looking out for you in the word of God, have a heart to see you know Jesus and obey the word of God more and more and more and more. If these are the kind of pastors and elders that you have, then of course you need to, to honor them and submit to them, okay? If they're not, then leave, okay? If you don't have pastors and elders that are driving you to know Jesus Christ better, driving you to know his word, driving you to obey his word, then you don't need to be there. And, I don't, and not just in the pulpit, 
Okay? They ought not just do this from a pulpit. Okay? What I'm doing here and teaching this Bible um, is certainly a part of my job, but it's a small part. It's important, but we have to be shepherding the people in our lives, and you can't shepherd people, disciple people from a pulpit. Okay? That is a part of it, but it's the smaller part of it. So, um, he calls together all the people who have all the knowledge, who know their Bible, and they rightly open the word of God and tell him where the Christ uh, was to be born and where Jesus was born. But yet the only people to know it are the shepherds, because the Lord revealed this to them through the angel in Luke 2. And these wise men. So you want to ask yourself, would the Lord have revealed Jesus to you then? And is he revealing Jesus to you now? Because a lot of people didn't know. Do you have a shepherd's heart? Do you have a humble heart that the Lord can reveal Jesus to? But do you have a wise heart? And are you on a journey to know Jesus? First receiving him as your Lord and Savior as John one twelve says to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God, John one twelve. But then after you've been saved, after you've received him as your savior, are you journeying to know Jesus better, more deeply, more intimately, more profoundly? Are you spending your life as a wise man or wise woman going on this journey of life, pursuing Jesus so that you can worship him and love him and serve him. Because that's the only thing that's going to make you a wise man or a wise woman today. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy on our lives. We thank you for your love. We thank you for these incredible holy scriptures. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we worship you that we have this Bible, this incredible Bible, Lord. We just love our Bible and we thank you for giving it to us. Lord, we thank you for your willingness to, Lord, there's not words that, that you, our God, would enter this world for us, a world you created, live a perfect life for us, die a torturous death because we, the people you created, had gone so sinfully bad. We thank you that you're alive and risen today. Holy Spirit, lead us and guide us now as we go forth. Seal this message to our hearts. Seal your words to our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.